up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, talks about the hockey that's happened and the hockey that's yet to come because there is not currently a whole lot of hockey happening uh, for the Golden Knights. Uh, I, of course, am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal beat writers for the team. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague, David Shane. Dave? How are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? Uh, I'm okay. You know, nice little break from my uh, doom scrolling, I guess you could say. And uh, start off by, first off, I want to congratulate you. Fantastic Jack Eichel surgery story that won an APSC award. So make sure everybody knows that. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I am blushing on the other end of uh, this recording. Yeah, for people that don't know, and the story will be out on ReviewJournal.com shortly. Uh, I won, or I was top 10 in the explanatory category for the Associated Press Sports Editors contest in like the Review Journal's kind of circulation uh, competition for a story I did on Jack Eichel's surgery uh, that I probably plugged in this podcast before, but just breaking down why he wanted this specific version of the surgery, what other surgeries uh, are out there. And so it won in the explanatory category. Uh, So that was exciting to get that call uh, yesterday. Thank you very much, Dave, for mentioning it and plugging it uh very very grateful and thankful to all the fine uh editors and obviously you the people that i work with that uh, let me do cool stuff like that and help me and provide advice and all that jazz because i'm very sure i made you uh read that story and make sure all the uh, technical mumbo jumbo was correct but hey the surgery seems to be working out okay as we'll get into throughout this podcast it's going to be uh, an interesting one because there hasn't been a whole lot of hockey to break down and discuss because the Golden Knights are in the midst of uh, yet another long break, but probably their last one for the rest of the season. So we'll kind of go over what happened last time they played, set up the stretch run here for the team and hit a few other topics. But uh, before we get into all that, just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented uh, by Blue Wire. Uh, make sure you check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. And also, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do, podcast, uh, please do to this one. We would uh, very much appreciate it. So, yeah, now as we get started talking about what's going on with the Golden Knights, which has been honestly uh, not a heck of a, a whole lot going on. I don't know about you, Dave. This has just been a weird week where we're kind of once again sitting around for games to happen. Um, but last time when they kind of got a week after they did a back-to-back in Edmonton and Calgary, I wasn't uh, kind of bothered as much because we were just coming off of All-Star Weekend being in Las Vegas. So we were really busy with that. So it was kind of nice to like sit around for a few days. But uh, this one is just kind of like, you know, blah. Like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to kind of get started on this last kind of stretch of the the season here. Where, where are you at right now? Yeah, pretty similar. A little antsy in terms of just like, I think I'm like the players. You get into a routine, you know, and if if there's not a game after a couple of days, you kind of start to not know what to do with yourself and try to figure some things out or look at stats and you overanalyze things and just, you know, your brain starts to go, you know, different places and all that sort of stuff instead of just, you know, the rhythm of practice and playing and and sort of, you know, everything that comes with that. So, yeah, it's just I think I think it's the fact that it's the second one, you know, that it just feels like we just had a couple breaks and it's like, oh, we're doing this again. OK, but, you know, like you mentioned, too, and Pete DeBoer and players have mentioned this, too, like 
they get this last break and and all that, but then it's I think it was 16 games in March and then 13 in April, if I if I remember my math correctly. So it's going to get, you know, kind of hot and heavy here. So you might as well rest up while we can, I guess. Right. Yeah, I believe it's something like they have uh, 31 games in 64 days or something like that to close out the schedule. It gets it gets really busy coming up here. But quick before we kind of peek ahead a little bit to it, what the Knights have left on their schedule, as well as what some of the other teams in the Pacific Division that they'll be jockeying for position with have going on. Uh, we'll quick look back at the Knights' last game, which was a win against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Jack Eichel scored a goal in that game, which obviously was pretty neat for him. It was the first time in a very long time he had done that, uh, I believe about 13 or so months. Uh, he also got an assist in that game, so he's up to three points in three games with the team. Uh, we kind of broke down Jack Eichel's debut last episode when he came back against the Colorado Avalanche, but uh, since then, we've obviously significantly increased our Jack Eichel's sample size. Uh, so, Dave, what was kind of your takeaways from Jack Eichel's uh, next two games compared to his first one? I think it's just noticeable the difference from game to game, how much more comfortable you can see him getting. Um, Pete DeBoer at one point kind of struggled for the word, and I think he sort of went to unconscious or subconscious. And I think what he was looking for was instinctive. Because that's sort of what it felt like, especially in that Sharks game where Jack Eichel was just doing things instinctively. You know, if he got the puck and had to absorb contact along the wall or if he felt it was necessary to body somebody off and use his size, you know, maybe to to try to take the puck like he was willing to do it. He was just kind of playing his game. Uh, It's cliche, but, you know, I really thought especially the first game. You could tell he was kind of dipping his toe in, especially for contact. Like he wanted to take a little bit just to kind of see, but he was also very tentative and he seemed to be on the perimeter a lot. And I think I kind of talked about that, you know, in terms of like, you know, where is his game? I have to learn his game a little bit more. And, you know, as it's gone along, you see him start to get into the mix a little bit more. And I think, you know, his goal was really like just, you know, the epitome of, okay, why would you think Jack Eichel's a superstar? Like, just put the tape on from from that goal. I mean, he picks it up behind the net. He, like, skates around for 10 seconds. Nobody can touch him. Nobody can get it off of him. I mean, it's four on four, so there's a little more room. But then he finds Chandler Stevenson wide open. And then once he recognizes that Chandler Stevenson's maybe a little in tight and can't shoot the puck and is going to try to create and go around the net, Jack Eichel immediately drives the net you know, goes to to that hard area and and gets the pass and scores from, you know, basically like the top of the crease area. And that's a goal scorer's goal in terms of like, you know, going to, you know, areas where, you know, you, you, you run the risk of of contact and, and really taking a shot. And, you know, four on four, maybe not so much, but the fact that he's just willing to do that and the fact that it seemed like he's a little more settled into you know, who he is in in his game. And I think it's only going to, you know, increase as it goes along. Like, hey, he's a point per game player, right? How many how many point per game players have the Knights had? Like they've already won the trade, right? Right. They've only had, I believe, uh, two in their history. And it came last year with both Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. So, hey, adding a, a third would be uh, obviously impressive for them. Uh, that would be the third guy that they've uh, gotten that's been a point per game player. But they also gotten a trade, which would be 
interesting, but obviously Eichel uh, still has a long way to go to keep that up, but certainly encouraging signs from these latest two games. Uh, the other big thing from, of course, that win against the Sharks was Logan Thompson getting his first NHL win. He actually had a shutout going until there was about uh, you know 9.43 left in the third period. Uh, still, he ended up making 35 saves. It was like, definitely impressive. Uh, we're going to dive into kind of Robin Leonard and his injury status. I believe he's currently being listed as day-to-day by Pete DeBoer, but there's obviously some murkiness there. Um, but just the fact that uh, Logan Thompson impressed so much and the Knights kind of have a, a back-to-back upcoming here. They play the Coyotes on Friday. Then they return back to T-Mobile Arena to play the Avalanche on Saturday. Uh, what do you think the odds are that Logan Thompson might have uh, earned himself another look there, Dave, with how well he did in San Jose? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. I, I don't know, and I don't want to overstep my bounds on that. I'll, I'll just say that I think if he if he does get a start, if he is selected, you have to feel good about him if you're the Knights. Like, he started two games. He's given them quality starts both times. At no point have you ever felt like, you know, he's been shaky back there or you've had to worry about it. You've had to, you know, adjust the system to, you know, maybe help him out, shield him, protect him. Like, they, they just, they don't even have to think about it. He's just back there doing, you know, what a, what a NHL goalie would do. So, you know, I, you know, is he going to play? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, this, the situation is so complicated um, in terms of just where Robin Leonard's at. Um, and then all this other stuff, this, this trade deadline rumors and, you know, are the Knights really looking at number one goalies and, you know, could Brossois, you know, maybe be, you know, like a, um, like a, like a counterbalance and a deal. I, I'm thinking of a, there's a better word for it. Like a, make weight or peace way. I can't, I don't know. My brain's fried, you know, but like potentially I'm just hypothetically, if like you're going to trade Laurent Brossois at some point this year, you know, off season, whatever it is, you have to feel good that Logan Thompson can step in and, and be a goaltender, you know, and, and play, you know, 20 games, whatever, you know, a backup would play and, and feel good about it at this point. Don't you? No, I would definitely think so. I think he's, you know, shown, uh, you know, good poise. He's been very confident, it feels like, in the net. And obviously the Sharks aren't the more most formidable opponent out there in the NHL. But I thought it was very impressive that uh, compared to uh, James Reimer in the other net, uh, the Knights 100% looked like they had the better goalie in that game. And whenever you can, like, you know, 100% look better than an NHL veteran in only your second NHL game, I think that's a pretty positive sign for uh, Logan Thompson, both in the present and moving forward, because uh, as Pete DeBoer kind of mentioned after the game, Thompson did sign an extension there before, uh, you know, or not before the trade deadline, because that's obvious, but a couple months ago. So it definitely does feel like he's part of their future and he kind of continues to show why that is in his limited NHL action. So, you know, looking ahead, obviously the Knights have been off, in terms of, you know, no games since playing the Sharks. They do play, as we talked about, the Coyotes tomorrow in Arizona, their uh, last trip to uh, Glendale, possibly, which uh, that elicited some funny responses when you ask guys about that today, Dave. Uh, As we're recording this right now, as we kind of look at, you know, how the stretch run is setting up for the Knights, they are two points back of Calgary for first place in the Pacific. But the Flames do have... 
Uh, two games in hand. They played two fewer games than the Knights, so they have a chance to increase their lead further these last two months. Uh, the Knights are one point up on third place Los Angeles, who they lost to last week, and they are three points up on fourth place Edmonton. Uh, it definitely seems like this has a chance to get interesting down the stretch. Um, but it is worth noting, and you kind of pointed this out, um, I believe, before the Sharks game, Dave. Uh, the Knights actually only have 11 games left against teams currently in a playoff position out of their 31 remaining games. So about a third of the teams that they're going to play the rest of the way are kind of potential playoff teams. And when half the teams in the NHL make the playoffs, that's pretty significant that the Knights are under that. Uh, because meanwhile, when you flip it to Calgary, Calgary plays 16 potential playoff teams. Edmonton faces 17. The Kings play 12. So which is pretty close to the Knights. But still, you know, the Knights basically, despite the fact that their kind of schedule pace is picking up where we talked about that, where, you know, they've got a really packed month of March. It doesn't look like their schedule is going to be harder than anyone else's in the division. In fact, it might be the easiest. So how do you kind of think this race is going to look like these final 30 games. What it maybe you have your eye on as the Knights kind of, you know, start charging toward the finish line here once this break is over. I mean, I feel like I've said this before, but I feel like or I'm waiting for the Knights to sort of kick on. You know, they had that one little spurt there, uh, that one winning streak. And I don't know, it just sort of almost feels like that second season for them so far, you know, where it's just, you're waiting for them to like show some consistency, and, you know, show that they're the team that everybody thinks they are. And, you know, at some point, 51 games in, like, you know, the numbers are the numbers. You are what you are. Right. Like I said that last time. So, you know, at some point here, like like you'd like to see them put a streak together, you know, put some, you know, eight, eight and two, you know, type type runs and you know, get some separation, like, like really start to find their game. You know, I, I guess it's a bit early to do the whole like playoff push as I'm using air quotes. Cause you know, the players and coaches like to use that term. I think that's more of a, you know, about, you know, 20 games on, you know, sort of like when, she, once you get to like the trade deadline, sort of, sort of neighborhood, um, you know, it's a little later this year, obviously, but, I just, it feels like at some point, you know, they're going to step on the gas and kind of go and they haven't yet. Like you said, though, the schedule sets up for them to do it. And and I think if you're a Knights fan, you look at that and you have some reason for optimism, you know, Mark Stone's out of the lineup, but Jack Eichel is in. So it's kind of like, you know, a wash in that area. You're, you're, you're not, you're not losing anything. Maybe you're even gaining something offensively. Um, you should be able to, you know, push forward, still score goals, tighten up defensively, like all these sorts of things at this point. You know, they, they have a strong enough lineup. You know, we'll talk about the guys that are coming back or, you know, close to coming back as well. So, you know, as I look at it, like, yeah, it, it feels like the, the Knights are, are, you know, kind of in position, you know, but, but where is that finishing kick, you know, and, and how much are they going to have, you know, left in the tank. Here's the other thing too, though. And I don't want to, I think it was about a week ago. I don't remember when it was a few days. Pete DeBoer sort of made a comment and it was almost in passing about, you know, Stanley cup in the playoffs and you don't have to win the division and you don't have to win the president's, 
you know, trophy to win the Stanley Cup or get there and and all of that. And he brought up his two seasons and it, in a way, it almost felt like a concession speech a little bit or, or preparation for, you know, Calgary, maybe, you know, winning the division that, that, that he almost realizes, okay, you know, maybe we don't have to catch them. You know, maybe they're, they're going to move on, win the division and, and that's fine. I think the Knights are, are going to be more worried about kind of, you know, process and, and finding their own game and, and playing well themselves, you know, down that stretch here, you know, and, and whatever Calgary does, you know, that, that they can, you know, kind of worry about that later. Yeah, they would obviously have to worry about that in the second round of the playoffs if it comes to that. But obviously that's a long, long ways away from both Calgary and the Golden Knights. Because, um, yeah, you talk about streaking or potentially kind of finding their peak game at the moment. I mean, Calgary uh, entering today or as we're talking about it, because I think that they play the Canucks tonight, have won uh, 10 in a row and they've already made uh, a trade acquisition where they got Tyler Toffoli, who seems to have fit pretty seamlessly into their lineup. So it just seems like they're kind of ahead of where the Knights want to be on the curve. And this is something that Pizza Boar kind of talked about, uh, I believe it was in between the, the Kings game and the Sharks game, where it does feel like the Knights are a little bit behind because Calgary has not dealt with as many injuries maybe as the Knights have. They did have a um, big COVID disruption uh, earlier in the season, but that uh, actually led to them kind of postponing a lot of games. It didn't mean that they kind of played shorthanded like the Knights had to a lot of nights. So they've just been kind of a more cohesive overall team. And obviously that's probably kind of shining through in the fact that uh, they've won now 10 straight. They're second in the Western Conference in uh, goal differential behind only Colorado. Um, They're obviously well ahead of the pack in the Pacific Division standings, whereas the Knights, kind of as I just hinted at, have had so many games where you've got guys kind of constantly coming in and out of the lineup where it just hasn't felt like kind of a, you know, cohesive overall picture. You know, if it was a puzzle, they're just kind of constantly shifting pieces around and trying to find the right fit or whatever. And sometimes you're kind of jamming the pieces in, even though it might not be the perfect fit because you just got to get through, obviously, uh, that game or that kind of stretch of games. So, It'll be interesting to see if the Knights can kind of, you know, like gel at some point and get out a run. As you kind of hinted at, there are some guys that could potentially come back in the lineup here in the near future. But obviously, you know, it still seems, a, you know, there are a decent chance that Mark Stone's going to be out for a while here. So it, I feel like, you know, that kind of consistency that Calgary has had with this lineup is something the Knights have been chasing with all season. And uh, Los Angeles has kind of had it too, which is why they're kind of neck and neck with the Golden Knights right now. Um, But obviously that's just not something that the Knights can know right now whether they're ever going to get to. So that's why it just feels interesting that we still just doesn't feel like we're looking at a complete picture when we're looking at uh, this team and what it can ultimately do when all the pieces are in place, Dave. Yeah, and I don't think we will probably until you know what, Mark Stone gets back to playoffs, you know, potentially we're talking about, you know, with that, certainly, you know, he walked past a couple of us in the press box, you know, the other night at that that game. And I used the word gingerly, uh, I would describe it as. So, you know, I don't think that one's coming anytime soon. And so it just feels like it's been that way, you know, all season. Pete DeBoer even said today, 
you know, after practices, we record this, that they had some guys, you know, that didn't, you know, practice today during the optional because they had the flu. So, you know, it's just kind of always something with them in terms of just, you know, and, until we see them, you know, at full strength. Yeah, we don't really know. Like, it, here's the other thing, too. It would be a shame after everything that they've done, you know, all the the, the wheeling and dealing, you know, the salary cap maneuvering and, and, and this and that to, to never be able to actually see, you know, kind of this mega super, you know, super team, this whole like Voltron, you know, of a, of a hockey team, like put together, like with all the lions working, like it, we haven't really seen that yet. And sort of until we do, I guess we all reserve judgment and, you know, we all maybe say, you know, at the end, like woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether the Knights are going to be able to kind of put this together or whether that kind of ends up being the story of the season. But obviously there's so much road to kind of still go down before we are even close to a determination on how this season is going to end up uh, for this team. A couple other things I want to touch on before we wrap up this episode. One is uh, we've talked about Pete Spore already quite a bit on this show uh he is almost uh, at a very significant milestone in his career and it's been interesting to kind of watch him reflect on it uh this week uh he has 499 wins as of today so he has the chance to get 500 uh tomorrow is recording this friday against the arizona coyotes pete DeBoer is uh, 84 37 and 8 with the Knights, so almost a fifth of his career wins has come with this team, uh, which is a, a 682 points percentage, which is obviously very, very good. Uh, Gerard Gallant, for context, was a 118, 75, and 20 for a 601 points percentage when he was with the Knights. Uh, that might be 118, 76. I can't read my own notes. Um, but it's been interesting kind of hearing Pete Boer reflect on kind of all that it's taken for him to get there. He's also pretty close to 1,000 games played I bet I think he's 12 or so away so that'll happen later this year too and also hear kind of the players kind of talk about the impact that he's made on the team his kind of coaching style uh, as he gets near that big round number uh, so we haven't obviously kind of sat down and dissected you know what he's brought to this team in a while just because he's kind of become part of the fabric of the identity with the Knights as a lot of coaches do but now that he's kind of near this marker, it's kind of more interesting to kind of sit back and reflect. And what do you kind of make of Pete DeBoer's impact that he's had on this team since kind of coming over midway through his third year, Dave? And, you know, what he kind of continues to do for this team now and been moving forward? Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting contrast between him and, you know, Jar Gallant. And, you know, it's not that that one is better than the other or or anything it's 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 almost it's sort of one of those all roads lead to Rome you know sort of things and 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 you can you know take different paths to kind of get to the same you know final destination like Jar Gallant and you know Pete DeBoer both have some commonalities in terms of just you know playing hard and fast and you know aggressive four checks and you know some some of that stuff like the systems were pretty close like it wasn't like he had to you know completely come in and you know, take over after somebody who was, you know, running like a one, three, one, you know, neutral zone, just clog up like Guy Boucher or, or something like that. So uh, like, 
in terms of the systems, in terms of, of all that, like it's not like there's been this dramatic, you know, change and all oh, Pete DeBoer is so much better. All that. Like, I don't think it's that, but it, it's just interesting to hear, you know, the players talk about sort of the detail with him and, and just every little thing he notices and, and then they're working on it, you know, in, in their own game, you know, in their opponent, just, you know, he, he, he's just got that super analytical mind. And, you know, I, I wrote a story about him, you know, for last Sunday's paper and, you know, it's, it's online at reviewjournal.com. You know, and, and one of the things I, I kind of wrote and I didn't mean this in like a negative way, but like, you know, I think it's kind of cool. So I actually even told him, I, I, I really like this about him is, you know, he tries to outsmart other teams. It's really about sort of, can he figure out a way to exploit a weakness? And, you know, he, he really thrives and he really loves it in the, in the playoffs because you're playing the same team over and over and you're, you know, you're trying to hide your own weaknesses. You're, you're trying to, you know, find something you can do against the other team, you know, little holes, little, little things you can exploit. Like, like that's where I think he's, he's really sort of maybe elevated this team because, you know, Gerard Galland, I think, you know, was, was what they needed to begin with. And, you know, it worked for his run. And and then I know people that don't really like to hear this. And I still think it was a shocking, you know, firing. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but like, the one thing I think is clear is is the change was good in terms of just I think it had gotten stale with Jar Gallant, like the same practices, the same message, you know, working hard, kind of, you know, over and over. And they needed to hear something more. They need to they need to hear something a little deeper. You know, Pete DeBoer talked to me about, you know, players nowadays. And I don't know that it's so much with this team because I think they're an older team, but you know, kind of him, you know, being a lawyer and going to law school and, and always having a case for a player about a decision, you know, whether it's on or off power play, you know, in or out of the lineup, whatever it might be, you know, that he, he's always willing or ready, you know, to, to make a case and, and say, this is why to a player and, and communicate. And, you know, I think we used to hear a lot from the players about Gerard Gallant and how they, they liked and appreciated his honesty they always knew where they stood with with him and Jargalant. And I think it's the same thing with Pete DeBoer. The communication is always open and they know where, where they stand. It's different. It's a different coaching style. It's a different communication style. It's, you know, they're not the same coach. But, I, th- you know, in the end, as, as good as Pete DeBoer has been for them, though, this is the thing. Like, he is going to be judged on did he or did he not win a Stanley cup here. And, and maybe that's not fair, but that's the standard that he's going to be held to, you know, and, and that they set when they fired Jared Gallant and, and hired him. So, you know, he can have a 700 winning percentage or all this sort of stuff. And it's all fine and Danny, but it's still going to come, come down to, can he win a Stanley cup? Yeah. Obviously he's won a two playoff series, each of his first two years with the golden Knights, but hasn't even gotten back to the Stanley cup final with this team. Uh, Pete obviously took the New Jersey Devils and the San Jose Sharks to the Stanley Cup final uh, in previous stops, but lost both times. Yeah, it's interesting. I would encourage people to read the uh, article that you put out. You had some great insight from one of uh, DeBoer's best friends in coaching, uh, Paul Maurice, who is now 
the former coach of the Winnipeg Jets. He resigned earlier this season. But no, the all roads point to Rome thing is interesting that you mentioned because now, yeah, Jared Glantz is in New York with the Rangers. He's got a 690 points percentage uh, this year with them. They're having a very successful season. And so sometimes it's just a lot of, you know, kind of situation based. But uh, you're definitely right to point out that the situation that Pete DeBoer is in now kind of calls for him to win a Stanley Cup. That is what this roster is constructed to do. That is what management and obviously ownership and Bill Foley has been aiming for for this team for a very long time. And they still haven't gotten as close as they did that first year. So we'll obviously have to see whether that changes uh, later on. Um, so to wrap up here, we'll do our usual <laughs> injury stuff. It feels like it's obviously a weekly segment, weekly talking point, uh, because there's always guys that are either coming out or coming back into the lineup. Uh, right now, it looks like some of the guys that might be coming back at some point, obviously, are uh, Zach Whitecloud, broken bone in his foot. He was back at practice Wednesday in a normal jersey. So was defenseman Alec Martinez. But obviously, Martinez has been uh, back in a normal jersey before, and his situation is still very, very nebulous. Uh, Nolan Patrick, who, of course, got hit up high by Nathan McKinnon last week uh, in the Colorado game, was back in a non-contact jersey. And uh, Robin Leonard was there on Wednesday as well. So obviously, I think it's safe to say White Cloud is uh, pretty close to returning, but already you kind of hinted earlier, Dave, about kind of the Knights goalie injury situation. Obviously, last week we talked about there was a Marc-Andre Fleury trade rumor. The general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, quickly like and kind of forcefully shot down, but we still weren't sure what exactly Leonard's kind of timeline or injury status was. Um, but like I said, practicing with the team on Wednesday, that obviously feels like a decent sign for his availability. DeBoer turned him day-to-day. Uh, just what did you kind of make of his appearance. Do you think he's kind of coming back maybe sooner than people expected to think they're going to try to test it out with Leonard before seeing whether they might have to eventually look at another goaltending option? Uh, kind of what do you yeah, make overall of the night situation in net as we stand here on Thursday? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this more and more just in terms of like from the Logan Thompson side of things, like, you know, I think when we asked Pete DeBoer about it, and whether he would be available, he didn't rule him out, but he was pretty noncommittal about it too. You know, kind of let's see, you know. So I don't know if that means they're trying to point to like maybe that Colorado game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because here's the other thing too. Like you, you get him through that back to back, you know, and then you would have another two days off and then you're at home, you know, to start March against the Sharks. You know, maybe that's a game you're pointing to. Um, I think it, it, I take, and, and maybe this is me reading way too much into the situation, but I take him going out there Wednesday, like being, you know, fully integrated, kind of to use Pete DeVore's term, and, and Logan Thompson not being on the ice too. That's the other thing. Like, I don't know if that is an illness. Uh, you know, Pete DeVore, you know, referred to some guys being sick. Um, that might be, you know, what that, you know, looks like or, or is. So maybe that affects things too. Um, but I, you know, I think if nothing else, if you're going to say, okay, 
we're going to, you know, Robin Leonard's going to try to play through, say, whatever he's got. You know, they're not going to have surgery. You know, I, I don't know how much more like better or worse he's going to feel, you know, in a week, in two weeks, and in, in three weeks than he does right now. Like if it's the injury that, you know, has been reported, which, you know, it's been out there. I think it was daily face off. Frank Cervelli had said a torn labrum, you know, which now if he has surgery, that's like a three to six month. You're just, you're done. You're out three to six months, like minimum, you know? So if he's going to try to tough his way through it, you know, and play, well, you know, I don't know what's another week do versus, you know, three weeks, like it's still going to be torn. So, you know, yeah, maybe we do see him sooner rather than later. And, and that's what that was an indication of, but you know, I don't know if t- this weekend is a little too soon for that. Yeah, definitely still a lot of unknowns with Leonard and kind of how the Knights are going to approach this. Like I said, if they do determine that they need to, you know, add some insurance or something at the position, uh, the NHL trade deadline is March 21st if they want to add a goalie or someone anywhere else. Uh, but obviously there's a lot of time left before they have to make kind of any sort of official determinations there uh we'll see it'll get obviously more interesting when the knights uh, start playing games again tomorrow and i certainly am ready for that uh and i think the team is too but that's going to do it for this edition of the golden edge podcast as a reminder we are brought to you by the las vegas review journal we are presented by blue wire please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com and of course if you guys could rate review subscribe Whatever you do podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. He's David Chain. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon.